1: Welcome to More Than Amused Podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie.
0: Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to More Than Amused Podcast. I'm Stani. And I am Sadie. And wherever you are
1: in the world, thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening this week. We're happy yes. to be here.
0: We are happy to be here. It is a beautiful day, summer is near, and it is exciting to be back here to talk about another female artist. Yes. Now, today
1: I'm talking about Patsy Cline. Do you know who Patsy Cline is?
0: It sounds so familiar. I feel like you may have mentioned her before. I probably
1: have. So, I have not always known who she was, but she is like my music icon, or one of them. I obviously have many. And I don't know Mm -hmm. how we've gotten this far without talking about her more, but oh, well, here we are now (laughs) how I originally discovered her. is actually fun because so my grandpa, um, I think he was like moving out of a home and he had a bunch of old CDs and like records that he asked me if I wanted. Um, this was probably, this was like years ago. And of course, you know, I was like, sure, I'll take them. I'll take your old music stuff. And so he gave them to me. And at the time in my car, the like connector that I could like use to plug in my phone or like however I did that it wasn't working properly so I just had this like old Tupperware with all these CDs that I would just play in my car. yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and one of them was like a Patsy Cline greatest hits album and you know there were a lot of like CDs that I went through that he gave me that like yeah, of course like I enjoyed. But I loved this Patsy Cline album and would just play it all the time when I drove. So That's awesome. Yeah, so that's how I originally fell her like fell in love with her and was really introduced to her. But like doing like I'd heard things like about her life about her story. Um she it's actually a pretty tragic story because she actually died pretty young in a tragic accident in a plane crash
0: oh um, man
1: so like her life was just cut so soon but in doing just like research for her like during, about her life i just like didn't know so much stuff and i feel like she is just like this amazing example of just resilience and like she had so many failures but she is now considered like pretty much like the f- like the original like woman country singer who like really like paved the way for everyone else and she was also one of the first women in country to like have the crossover hit like to be a country star but then also have that pop hit so like she paved the way for miss swift you know yeah so she yeah she has an amazing huge legacy and she's just so incredible So I'm very, very excited to be talking about her and to dive into her life today because it's just, it's just insane. I'm excited to learn more. Are you a country music
0: fan at all? Um, hmm, I enjoy country music every once in a while. I wouldn't say when I sit down to turn on music myself, I choose country. Yes. But I did grow up doing 4-H I worked at IFA for a while and my dad is like an avid country music listener. So I will say it's been in the background yes. music of my life multiple times.
1: Good. To, cool. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> I in like high school, I was definitely one of those people that was like, I like all genres except for country music. <laughs> but I think now is like just being a songwriter. I can like I'm like, no, country songwriting is like so good. But I feel like it was, like, listening to Patsy Cline and then listening to Dolly Parton and, like, getting a lot more interested in these, like, older country stars is what brought me a lot more respect for the genre as a whole. And now I'm like, yeah, I like country music. I'm the same, though, that it's not, like, really my Mm go-to when I'm listening to music. Unless it's summertime, country music and summertime are nice. They just fit really well. They fit really well. Yeah. But... But one thing, too, is I love I, – I generally lean to, like, women country singers. I I guess I'm just sexist in that way, but I just prefer women country singers over I, the
0: – Yeah. The I mean, I men. generally lean to, like, all female singers. Same. So, <laughs> <laughs> so might I Might be on purpose, might not be, it's fine. <laughs> you know, the other day I, like, really liked this song by a guy, and I was like, oh, but I can't add it to this playlist because it's specifically for women – and, like, all these ones and I was, like, okay, Stani, like, time to just, like, own up and create a playlist that has men and women. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, like, there's so many, like, a lot of, like, my,
1: like, workout playlist or, like, girl power or, like, pump up playlist. I'm, like, mm-hmm. in the title, it's, like, woman or, like, girl yep. power. Like, you know, very basic and cliche, but that's what it is. So yeah, whenever a song goes on, I'm like, ugh, but a man sings this. I'm like, okay, well, no, it's still a bop. It's fine.
0: I know. It's like, I need to create a collaborative one. Like, men can create good music too. (laughs) It's like reverse sexism. I know. So bad. But it's just because of, um, I remember in high school, having a conversation with someone, and I think it was a boy, where they were just like, I just don't really enjoy female song, like singing voices. And I remember thinking about that. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, all the music I listen to besides Taylor Swift is pretty much men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't figure out why. Like, I didn't know what the reason behind it was. And I was like, well, maybe I don't like female singing voices. And then as I listened to a lot more of female artists, I was like, no, that's not the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, I,
1: yeah, I, I'm pretty much the same. I feel like it was like in college I dated a guy who was like in a band and like listened to a lot of like the alternative indie music you know who and those are generally like guys you know like just bands and so when I I feel like that's a lot of what I listened to because that's what he was listening to and a lot of what my friends were listening to and then I think it was like when I got out of that relationship I was just like I just I just need to listen to women. And I kind (laughs) of called myself out for it where I was like, I want people to listen to my music and respect my music, but I don't even listen to women singers. Like I'm being a hypocrite and yeah. Yeah. And now I've just dived in and now I love it. (laughs) And now I can't. And speak. now I, now I don't listen to men anymore. So justice. <laughs> Anyways, though, I feel like people have very, like really strong opinions about country music. Like it's pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty common for people to be like, oh, I hate country music or I love all genres except for country music. But if you're one of those people, it's okay. I understand. But I encourage everyone to listen to some Patsy Cline because she's just truly so
0: good. And like, uh I just, I just love her. I love every performance she has. It's just so good. I was just going to say really quick, the, one of my favorite things about country music is, like, the storytelling. Yes. Um, they just do a really, really great job of being able to tell a story within a song. And a lot of that, other genres aren't as able to do that. So, I love that And I think that's music. what, like, finally sold me on it. Where I think I listened
1: mm-hmm. to a song and I was like, oh my gosh, like, no other genre of music can, like, does it this way. And it's mm-hmm. so amazing. Anyways, I'm going to dive into her life then. So... Patsy Cline she was actually born Virginia Patterson Hensley so Patsy Cline is a stage name and she was born September 8th 1932 so like during the Great Depression I believe right
0: oh wow yeah that would be 30s Mm -hmm.
1: and her mom was only 16 years old at the time that she was born which is what crazy yes Uh. her father whose name was Sam Hensley had been married before, so she had two half siblings that were age twelve and fifteen, but they actually lived with a foster family because of their mother's death years before, which is interesting. That I don't know why they would combine families. I don't know. Um, and then Patsy had um, had two younger siblings from her own mom, so she had two half siblings and two, you know, full siblings. I guess in her childhood, though, her family had to move a lot, move around a lot because. Samuel her father who was a blacksmith Could not find steady employment um, So when the family Didn't have a lot of money she would oftentimes Find work which Like would be like w- her working In like a poultry factory where She would like Pluck the chickens Basically Okay. So from a very young age she's having to do All that to try and support her family uh, But eventually Her family settled in winchester virginia and i think that's where she spent um like you know the remainder of her childhood and like i think that's what she really considered to be home an interesting story so at the age of 13 i didn't know this until i was you know just researching for this episode so apparently klein she was hospitalized with a throat infection and a like a really bad fever And so this is her quotes talking about this. Um, She said, I developed a terrible throat infection and my heart even stopped beating. The doctor put me in an oxygen tent. You might say it was my return to the living after several days that launched me as a singer. That fever affected my throat. And when I recovered, I had this booming voice like Kate Smith's. And then it was during that time right after that she actually developed an interest in singing. So, wow. I'm like, I don't know much about, I'm like, how would a fever, like, affect your throat permanently? I don't know. She must have been really sick. But apparently, recovering from that, she felt like it had changed and that it had given her her singing voice, which is interesting. That's
0: so interesting. Yeah. I
1: But, you know, during that time, she really got involved in music. She started performing with her mom in the local Baptist choir. And apparently her and her mom would perform duets at just like church social events. And she also taught herself how to play piano during this time. Wow. Mm -hmm. So she really just dives into music. Um, So when she was 14, which is, you know, a year after she was sick, apparently she like declared to her mom that she was going to audition for the local radio station. Um, And so this is in the like... I guess early 40s then, yeah, or mid 40s. Um, so her first radio performance was began at WINC in the Winchester area. and according to the radio disc jockey Jolton, Jim McCoy was the name um she appeared in the station's waiting room one day and just asked to audition and apparently he was like so impressed by her audition performance and re- reportedly he said well if you've got enough nerve to stand before that mic and sing over the air live i've got enough nerve to let you and so then she made her debut on the local radio station wow <laughs> Which the I think guts. Is cute i know i am was like I did not,
0: I don't think I had that bravery to just show up somewhere and be like, hey, I want to sing here at 14. I know. Sometimes I wonder if it's like easier because it was back then and like everything was still kind of new and that's why. Or if it's just like, if you were to do that today, do you think people would still be like, sure. I know. That's what I have no idea. And I've wondered the same. Um,
1: During the what, so she would perform on the radio, but she also started appearing in like talent contests and created kind of like a night type cabaret act similar to the performer Helen Morgan that she would just perform locally in her hometown which I just feel like oh like oh, she just like made all this happen for herself because she decided yeah. she wanted to which is insane
0: that's the way to do it
1: honestly apparently I feel like everyone we've talked to it's just like they yeah. follow a very similar pattern like this.
0: Mm-hmm. And then they made their dreams come true, actually. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> the
1: pressure. So her mother and father, though, had marital problems a lot during her childhood. It, uh, I don't feel like she... Re- well, I know she didn't grow up in a very good home life. I know she suffered... Abuse from her father. I don't really want to get into it just because, you know, it's dark, it's heavy, and I want to focus more on the positive legacies of her life. Yeah. But I do know that she had a very hard home life. Um, but he deserted the family by 1947, um, which caused her to have to go to work. So this is when she was entering ninth grade. She enrolled in high school. However, the family had, you know, a really hard time sustaining the income. Of of course, after her father, their father left. Um, so she had to drop out of high school so she could support the family. And she just started working at a drugstore in the local area. Gosh. I know. That's so young. I know. So the other thing, too, is apparently, though, she did have a very good relationship with her mom. And probably because they were on, only like 16 years apart that people often would like mistake them as sisters rather than mother and daughter. And I think even the mom describes their relationship as it feeling more like sister relationships rather than a mother daughter. So apparently yeah. quote that they they had a very beautiful relationship, which is nice. At least she had a good mom.
0: It reminds me of like Gilmore girls, like Lorelai yeah. and Rory. Yeah. Just being very so fitting. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay. So starting the career, or I guess the quest that she went on to have a career. So at the age of 15, she wrote a letter to the Grand Ole Opry asking for an audition. And for those who don't know what the Grand Ole Opry is, it's kind of like if you want to be a successful country singer, I don't know. I guess I don't know how prominent it is now, But I feel like it actually is because the Grand Ole Opry is like a venue that's kind of like a symbol of success within the country music world. Like if you're invited to play there or if you're invited to be a member of the Grand Ole Opry, it is very much a signal as success as a country music star. So... It's a very big deal. I mean, and obviously, it's been around forever that if even in the late 40s, Patsy Cline realized that that's where she wanted to end up. So, yeah, Grand Ole Opry was her goal. So, and I think it's so funny. She's like wrote them a letter um, asking for an audition. And apparently she told a local photographer about the letter and, quote, says a friend thinks I'm crazy to send it. But what do you think? And the photographer encouraged her to send it and several weeks later she actually received a return letter from the opry and asked for pictures and for recordings Um, wow i know and at the same time there was a gospel performer who's named wally fowler um he headlined a concert in her hometown and she convinced the concert employees to let her backstage where she asked him for an audition and so following a successful audition with him Then their family received a call asking for her to audition to the Opry. So, her, her mom, her two siblings, and I guess a family friend traveled to Nashville, Tennessee, which was an eight hour drive. Um, apparently, they drove overnight and they slept in a parking lot or a Nashville park, excuse me, that following morning. Um, she performed for an Opry performer the same day. The possessed. Apparently, the audition was really well received and she expected to hear from the Opry the same day. However, she never received news and so her family just moved right back to Virginia. What? I know. They never got back to her? Apparently, they just never got back to her and so they just drove back. And that's I, so sad. I know. And I think this is just like, it starts this trend with her where she asks for something. Like she's already at this point asked for like three auditions just by sneaking into dressing rooms or sending random letters in the hopes of getting it. You know, she's, she like asks and asks and ask and, and it's just, it doesn't always work out for her and it's very sad. So this is kind of like the first failure, I guess, is that yeah. she didn't hear back from this audition. But, throughout the early 50s she did continue to perform around in the local area 1952 she asked to audition for a local county band leader whose name was bill peer um and following her audition i guess she began performing regularly as a member of the bill peers melody boys and girls i'm not exactly for sure what it was but it sounds like it was some type of performing group in that virginia area Mm -hmm. um oh actually take that back i they actually played primarily in the moose lodge in brunswick maryland which i'm sure was pretty close to where she was living in in virginia yeah Um, so they had regular gigs there and there's where she would actually meet her first husband who was gerald klein and Pierre, who is, you know, the band leader, encouraged her to kind of take on a more appropriate stage name. So she changed her first name from Virginia to Patsy, um, which was taken from her middle name, which was Patterson. Um, but then she kept her new last name, Clime. So she and that's how, where she ended up getting the name Patsy Klein from. OK. Which like, yeah, I guess Virginia Hensley is not quite as catchy as Patsy Klein. Yeah. So
0: I guess it was. I a get good, it. Good Virginia move. Hensley sounds very, like, old money, yes, traditional it does. Southern, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I guess Patsy Cline does sound very, like, show business. So. I think so. Probably um, a good move.
1: Yeah, good move. So, in 1953, she won a contest in a local country music contest, which apparently got her $100 and the opportunity to perform as a regular on the Connie B. Gay's Town and Country Time. And I guess, like, the show um, included, like, other co- contemporary country stars at the time, Jimmy Dean, Roy Clark, George Ham- Hamilton and Billy Grammer um, and was filmed in Washington DC and Arlington, Virginia. She wasn't though officially added to the program's television shows until October of 1955. So mm-hmm. I think she like won the opportunity to do it and then it just didn't actually end up happening for two years. I'm not really sure. But her performance on the television show, though, did help her receive critical acclaim. The Washington Star Magazine praised her stage presence, commenting, she creates the moods through movement of her hands and bodies and by the lilt of her voice, reaching way down deep in her soul to bring forth the melody. Most female country music vocalists stand motionless, sing with monotonous high-pitched nasal twang. Patsy's come up with a throaty style loaded with motion and emotion. So, that was a review that was left for her. So, it was very um, impactful, that performance. And because of that performance, um, in 1954, Bill Peer, who was, you know, the band leader that she had been performing regularly with at the time, which, side note, I'm pretty sure they had an affair together, which is just interesting, I guess. Um, They Mm -hmm. both stayed married to their prospective partners and husband slash wife, but they did have some type of romantic connection, her and him. But he created and distributed a series of like demo tapes with Patsy's voice on it. And one of these tapes was brought to the attention of whose name is bill mccall who was the president of four star records and september 30th of that same year which is 1954 she signed a two-year recording contract with the label alongside pierre actually and alongside her husband gerald klein which i'm very curious of how that dynamic was i wonder if the husband knew i'm very curious
0: (laughs) that's interesting Mm
1: mm-hmm so, but now though, she finally has a recording contract after, you know, multiple times of it, you know, not working out the, however, the original contract allowed four stars to receive most of the money from any songs that she recorded. So she received a little of the royalties back, totaling about 2.34% on her recording contract, which is like, we could go into a whole other conversation on the way that record labels definitely take advantage of new artists. Um, which like I get, you know, record labels finance things. So like we can consider that, but also like 2.34% is an insane amount. If you're the artist, like, I just feel like that's
0: insane. I mean, they're supposed to help you not like screw you over. Exactly. Messed up. So her first recording session though, took place in
1: Nashville, Tennessee, January 5th of 1955. I guess songs for this session were handpicked by McCall, who is the president of the record label and another person who's named Paul Cohen. Four stars released the recordings to a larger Decker records. Apparently this kind of helped her get close to a producer who was named Owen Bradley. And that was a professional relationship that would continue well into the sixties. Her first single was, was released in 1955. Um, and it was called a church, a courtroom, then goodbye. And she actually had the opportunity to perform this song at the Grand Ole Opry um, and promoted it with the first appearance there, but the song was just not successful. And between 1955 and 1966, she had four singles through this record deal, and they just failed to become hits. I hmm. I don't know like how successfully they did do, but the songs just did not catch on. And I guess we're kind of considered failures. But she kept going because she does and because she's amazing. Um, During this time, though, she continued to perform regionally a lot. Um, But then in 1956, she appeared on ABC's Country Music Jubilee. Apparently like the Ozark Jubilee, whatever that. It was at one of her local performances that she would meet her second husband, whose name is Charlie Dick. So side note about her personal life there. Yeah. 1956 again um, she received a call to perform on Arthur Godfrey's talent show which was a national television show that she had auditioned for several months prior she accepted the offer this is kind of funny so I don't really know the technicalities of this tv show or the rules of it but she used her mom as her quote-unquote talent scout for the show but for the show's rules talent scouts could not be family members and so for those reasons they actually both just lied about it to appear on the show and then I guess like the Ar- Arthur Godfrey who is the creator of the show asked the mom like oh so have you known Klein her whole life she replied well about or like yes just about her whole life so I don't know why they had to lie about it and I don't know why yeah. that wasn't a rule but I just think that's funny but also it just shows like the fact that like she's performing at so many different random television sh- like random television shows random talent shows like regional things like just shows that like she was obviously just kind of like auditioning for every single thing she could and there were so many failures and then just like these really random successes that just kind of like took her one step forward you know what i mean yeah Mm -hmm. but this television show really helped her out so she flew to new york city on january 18th 1957 and she made her debut performance on this program on january 21st so the day of the show she met with the show's producer whose name was janet davis and klein had chosen a song that was called a poor man's roses or a rich man's gold to perform on the program but davis performed another song that patsy had recorded that was called "Walkin' after midnight and I guess Klein initially initially refused to perform it, but she ultimately agreed and conceded and decided to perform Walkin' After Midnight. She also suggested to Patsy that she wore more of a cocktail dress instead of kind of the typical cowgirl outfit that Patsy normally would perform in. So... That's what she ended up doing. She completely changed her look and sang the song that the producer suggested she sing. And she performed Walk After Midnight and she won the contest before like the performance contest that night. Wow. The song had not yet been released as a single, but in order to kind of just keep up with this public demand, they rush released the song as a single on February eleventh, so literally like two weeks later. Um, and the song became her breakthrough hit. It peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot Country charts and it reached number 12 on the Billboard pop music charts. And and that's like song is now considered like a classic, like a staple in country music. That's crazy. So, yeah, like hit number 12 on the pop music charts, which like is it's very high. <laughs> and then because of the success of this song, Walking After Midnight, Klein accepted like numerous appearances on shows um tv shows major networks but she continued working for arthur godfrey over the next several months she appeared on the Grand Ole opry in february and the television show western ranch party in march which like now all these names of these tv shows don't really mean a lot to me but i'm imagining that at the time they were a very big deal for her to be a part of yeah. <laughs> apparently the money that she had earned from her numerous engagements totaled out to be ten thousand dollars which she gave all of the money to her mother which she used to pay Aww. off the mortgage on their home which that's I so was sweet nice. mm-hmm. in august 1957 her debut studio album was issued and was released so her debut album is out But then her follow-up singles to Walkin' After Midnight did not yield similar success. Some people think that this was partially due to the quality of material chosen for her to record. I guess that she, and she was very dissatisfied with the limited success that she did have, especially after this big breakout hit that was Walkin' After Midnight. Um... And apparently, like, there's the one of the producers, like, kind of recalled her often saying, like, can't you do something? I just feel like a prisoner. And around the same time, Klein was fired from her regular slot on the town and country jamboree. And according to Connie B. Gay, oh, I don't know exactly who that is. But according to someone, she ran late for shows and, quote, showed up late with liquor on her breath. Oh, no. So she was going through things. Yeah, I think she was going through things september 1957 is when she met when she actually married her husband charlie and she also gave birth to her first daughter julie after this though she hoped to restart her career they were living in north carolina at the time for a military assignment but after the birth of her daughter um she moved her and her family moved back to nashville tennessee so Mm. this is like another thing like she finally gets that taste of success but then What immediately followed kind of flopped. But she comes back. She's back in Nashville, Tennessee, and she's going to give it another go. Good. So, you know, like I said, just a great example of just resilience. Early 60s, though, is really when her professional decisions kind of started working out to her. So she moved back to Nashville. She signed a management deal with someone named Randy Hughes. I guess she had originally wished to work with someone else, but he was just too busy. So she ended up going with Hughes, which is probably a one of the best decisions she could have made for her career. And with the help of Hughes, she began working more steady jobs. Um, Apparently like he organized her with like standard bookings and got her multiple performances at the Grand Ole Opry in January, 1960, she officially became a member of the Opry, which is a very big deal. Like I mentioned, it's like the step up from getting to perform there. Like if you're a member there, it's like you're, you're, it's like you're welcomed into the country music world. I feel. Yeah. You're
0: a part of the club.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Apparently there's a thing where she asked the general manager whose name was Ott divine about a membership. And he just replied, Patsy, if that's all you want, you're on the Opry. So wow. I don't know like why they didn't give it to her without her asking, but I don't know. I guess it worked in yeah. 1960. She made her final recording session set forth with her contract with four star records. Her final singles with them were was lovesick blues and crazy dreams. Um, and she left that record label and officially signed with Decker Ra- Records in late 1960. Um, and I guess at this point, she insisted on receiving an advance. And so she received $1,000 straight up from Bradley once she began at the label. And I don't good. really know how how good of a deal it was or how common that was. But at least now she's like actually getting some advance on money. And it's not the 2% yeah. royalties that she was getting at the old place. <laughs> It was better than what she had, that's
0: for sure. Exactly.
1: We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists.
0: I found this girl on TikTok. She popped up on my For You page, and her name is Haley Mae Campbell. I'll spell it because there's like a million different ways to spell Haley. It's H-A-L-E-Y-M-A-E-C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. And she her video went viral of her showing her best friend the song she wrote about him.
1: Mm. Oh. I think I've yeah, seen Yeah, you've that. probably
0: seen it. And then now her song's coming out really soon so she's been promoting all of it. But it's a really really cute song. It's called Never Been in Love. Yeah. And it's definitely country inspired. So, it's really cute song. She seems like a really cute girl. I think she lives in Nashville right now. Oh, maybe not. But it's definitely country music, so there'll be a fun one, very fitting with this episode. And yeah. she's on Instagram with the same username. So. And she's putting on check music her soon, out. so go shout yeah. Her out. Yeah, and she's just fun, and she has a good voice, that's all. So
1: <laughs> go check and her out. And that video is cute.
0: It is cute. Go watch the video. Okay,
1: so this person that I'm shouting out is also a country, local country singer. So Woo-hoo. staying on theme today. Um, This person is named Maddie Wilson, um, and her Instagram is just Maddie Wilson Music. Um, I, like, have this, like, very random connection to her where the first place that I moved into when Jordan and I got married... It actually ended up being her place. So I like kind of met, I met her to like look at the apartment and I like recognized her as like someone that I followed on Instagram and I was like, oh, and they were moving out of that place because she was actually moving to Nashville. So, oh, cool. (laughs) I was like, wow, living my dream. I'll be there soon. Anyways, she's really good. She like recently put out a song called Wounded about her experience and like struggles with infertility and it's very beautiful and very moving and just kind of goes to like i just feel like the way country music is it can just capture songs and like stories that just other genres can't and she's really good really good songwriter so check her out again that's maddie wilson music
0: so fun i know
1: all right now back to the show So her first release under this new record label was a song, it was in 1961, it was called I Fall to Pieces, and the song was, I guess, written by some Nashville songwriters named Hank Cochran and Harlan Howard. Um, I guess, so this song had been turned down by Brenda Lee, by Roy Dresky, and then Klein cut it in November of 1960. And I guess at the recording session, she was worried about the song's production, um, particularly the background vocals that were on it. And there was a lot of arguing between her and the producer. And so but then they finally negotiated that she would record I Fall to Pieces. And but then in exchange that they would also pefo- she would also record another song that apparently she liked more, which was called Love and in Vain. So they ended up releasing, though, I Fall to Pieces as a single in January of 1961. Apparently, which is interesting, it attracted very little attention upon the initial release. But then in April, the song debuted on the Hot Country and Western Song Charts. And then by August of that year, the song had become her first to top the country chart and then also peaked again at number 12 on the pop charts that's so interesting yeah I don't know how that happened where like it came out in January no one really cared about it and then here comes April it starts going and then by August it's number one like I'm just I wonder what happened that caused that
0: I know I'm like trying to think of examples but like the only thing I can think of is how like TikTok now like songs that people haven't paid attention to for years are like becoming really really popular oh so maybe something
1: happened yeah or like, oh, for example, like right now the TikTok trend is like "Circus" by Britney Spears. Yes, and I'm like this song came out forever ago. Like, what? This is so
0: random. All eyes on me in the center of the ring, just like a circus. I mean, I love that song so. I know, but it's like, like total the, callback.
1: I know, so random. I wonder if mm-hmm. that song is gonna like, I don't know, actually go up in the charts because of
0: the TikTok. I don't know. It would be funny. I know. A few of them have. I know. um... A couple of artists released new lyric videos for some of the songs because of how popular they got. I know yeah. Billy Joel has been like really happy because a few of his songs have gotten like
1: big on TikTok played. Yeah.
0: Big on TikTok for a while. So it's kind of funny. Like it's interesting to see that happen. I know. Um, So I wonder if maybe it got used for like an ad or like a TV show or something. And like then, maybe yeah. like, she had like a good performance
1: on TV that like made people really like it. I don't know yeah
0: and then they were like oh this song that we have been not paying attention to mm-hmm. it's just interesting um june
1: 14th of this same year 1961 her and her brother sam were involved in a pretty scary car accident um Oof. she had brought her mother her sister and her brother to see her new nashville home the day before and on the day of the accident her and her brother went shopping to buy i guess just like material um and then Upon driving home they were struck head on by another vehicle which threw her directly into the car windshield, which caused like really bad like face injuries and like a lot of okay. other things like she suffered a broken wrist, just located hip it just was not good. Oh yeah and then apparently when first responders arrived though she was like very insistent that the driver of the other vehicle to be treated first, two of the three passengers riding in the car that struck Klein apparently ended up dying like it was a really oh scary my gosh. bad accident. Um, but when she was brought to the hospital, her injuries were life-threatening, and she was not expected to live. She underwent surgery, but she ended up surviving. And according to her husband, Charlie, upon waking up, she said, "Jesus was here, Charlie. Don't worry. He took my hand, and he told me, 'No, not now. I have other things for you to
0: do.'" And Whoa. she
1: spent a month recovering in the hospital after that. Which That's is,
0: insane. I know. Was her brother okay?
1: Uh, yeah, I think I. It doesn't say that he died, so yeah. Okay. That's nuts, though. After six weeks, though, six weeks after the accident, excuse me, um, she went back to music. Her, fu- her first public appearance was on the Grand Ole Opry stage, and I guess she assured fans that she would continue performing. She said to the audience that night, you're wonderful. I'll tell you one thing. The greatest gift I think that you folks could have given me was the encouragement that you gave me right at the very time I needed you the most. You came through with the flying as colors, and I just want to say you'll just never know how happy you made this old country gal. And her follow-up single then was really what ended up being her big break. And it was this song called Crazy. Um, This song was written by Willie Nelson, um, whose version of the song was first heard by her husband. And when her husband brought the song to Klein, she just, she did not like it. But apparently (laughs) he encouraged her to record it. And she replied with, I don't care what you say. I don't like it and I ain't going to record it. And that's that. But then her (laughs) producer liked the song and pretty much just set up the recording thing. And then when she got to the studio the day that he had planned recording it, he finally convinced her just to do it. And then when she listened to like the original Willie Nelson version of of it, that's, I think, what finally convinced her to do it. And then she decided that she was going to do it differently, though, from what he did so apparently Mm -hmm. his version of the song included like a spoken section she didn't like that so she cut it so she changed it you know from how it was originally done took it out so that it was something that she would feel comfortable doing because klein though was performing from this accident performing the song's high notes kind of caused her rib pain so giving her Mm -hmm. time to rest she sent her home like the producer sent her home while the producer laid down the tracks without her. And then a week later, she went, she came back and recorded her vocal in one single take, which if you hear the song, it's like just so amazing. And so now hearing that that was done on like one take, because, you know, a lot of times when like musicians are recording, like everyone does it where they'll have like, (laughs) like even like I do, like I'm recording vocals right now for a song I'm putting out soon. And it's like, I'll go through and like record the same word five times just to see if I can get that word a little bit better. Yeah. So the fact that she did a performance that amazing in one take, it's just really amazing.
0: That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could ever imagine doing anything in in one take. Yeah. One take. I know. I guess our podcast is one take, but that's different. But, but with editing. So. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs>
1: We're going to cut out any weird things we say. <laughs> yeah that's crazy so her this song was released as a single in October of 1961 it debuted on the it debuted on the Billboard country charts in November it would peak at at number two on the country charts and then be number nine on the pop charts so it was a Mm -hmm. top 10 pop hit um, and that was like yeah her biggest pop hit and kind of became a country music standard at this point in November of 61 she was invited to perform as part of the Grand Ole Opry show at Carnegie Hall in New York City Um, She was joined by Opry stars, Minnie Pearl, Grandpa Jones, Jim Reeves, Bill Monroe, Marty Robbins, and Farron Young. And despite positive reviews, apparently the New York journalist um, said everybody should get out of town because the hillbillies are coming. Um, (laughs) But and like apparently that comment really upset Patsy, but it did not affect ticket sales. And that performance in New York ended up being sold out. So people were excited to see her and at the end of the year she won several major industry awards including favorite female vocalist from the billboard magazine and Cashbox magazine's most programmed female artist Aww. um so it's like she's finally like after chasing it for years and years like over a decade at this point she's like finally getting national recognition um in 1961 she also went back in the studio and recorded her next album Um, Among the first songs she recorded Was She's Got You Apparently he pitched the song to Klein over the phone But then she insisted to hear it in person Um, No, he insisted for her to hear it in person So he brought the recording over to Mm -hmm. her house Along with a bottle of alcohol And I guess upon listening to it again in person She decided that she liked the song And that she wanted to record it (laughs) Um, So She's Got You Became her third country pop crossover hit By early 1962 It would also be her second number one On the Billboard's country chart um, and also, I guess it was her first entry into the United Kingdom singles um, chart, reached wow. number forty-three in the UK. So she's getting like international recognition at this point. That's awesome. Um, nineteen sixty-two, she had three major hits with "When I Got," "When I Get Through with You," "So Wrong," and "Imagine That." Um, her career success helped her finally become financially stable enough to purchase her first home, and she bought a ranch house located in Tennessee or a suburb in a suburb of Nashville um Mm -hmm. which I guess like the home was like decorated by herself it had a music room bedrooms a big backyard and according to one of her friends um the house was her mansion and it was the sign that she'd arrived and apparently she called it her dream house and she would just invite friends over all the time and I think she like took that as like I finally made it I love that. I know. In August of this, of 62, her third studio album, Sentimentally Yours, was released. It featured She's Got You as well as several country and pop standards. Um, according to a biographer, Ellis Nassor, her royalties were coming in slim and she needed financial security. So what she ended up doing was doing kind of like a Vegas residency show for 35 days. Um, apparently she did not like the experience, Um, and that like, she was home. So homesick, homesick, huh homesick. (laughs) She developed dry throat and she just like wanted to go home and be with her children. Um, but because of that, she became the very first female country artist to headline her own show in Las Vegas. So that's cool. I know during this time, you know, she's at like the top of her success, but apparently she started, she said that she started like seeing, experiencing like premonitions of her own death. Um, Apparently, Dottie West, June Carter Cash, and Loretta Lynn recalled Patsy telling them that she felt a sense of impending doom and that she did not expect to live much longer. In letters, though, she would also describe the happiness of her new career successes. In January 1963, her next single, Leave It On Your Mind, was released and debuted on on the Billboard Country Cart soon after. In February, she recorded her final sessions for Decca Records. Among the songs recorded were Sweet Dreams, He Called Me Baby, and Faded Love. Um, and she arranged for her friends, Jan Howard and Dottie West, to come and hear the session playbacks. Um, and according to Howard, I think this is a nice quote, where she said, I was in awe of Patsy. You know, afterward, you're supposed to say something nice, and I couldn't talk. I was just dumbfounded. Oh, I know. So just really sad. So that happens in February and she ended up um, dying really young when she was 30 years old on March 3rd of 1963. um, She was performing at a benefit at the soldiers and sailors Memorial hall in Kansas city, Kansas. And yeah, for like a family, for the family of the disc of a popular disc jockey um, who had actually died in an automobile automobile crash uh, just a month earlier. And yeah I, don't, I mean so yeah. on the way home though um, they had a plane crash and she ended up dying in that which was really very sad and it's like it's so it like really is heartbreaking to me because it's like there are so many moments of failure in her life where she got up and kept going like I don't think everyone who gets told no as many times as she ended up being told no you know keeps going and then at the height of her success is Like she, she dies and it in the most, in such a tragic, horrifying way.
0: And it's horrible that it was like for someone else that died in a tragic accident and then like they Mm -hmm. die in a tragic accident. Like that's just, it's so sad. Yeah. That's really awful.
1: But you know, like her legacy did continue and since Klein's death, so her recording art, so she had all of these, you know, all this music that she had recorded, like literally the month before she had ended up dying so the recording label re-released her music um and she's and that's kind of continued i think to have a lot of success posthumously her the patsy klein story was the first compilation album that the label released following her death it included the song sweet dreams of you faded love and both of these tracks were released as singles in 1963 i guess sweet dreams would reach number five on the billboard country charts number 44 on the pop 100 faded love would also hit would be a top 10 hit and then in 1967 they released the compilation of patsy cline's greatest hits which is the album that i fell in love with it peaked number 17 on the billboard country charts but it also certified diamond in sales from the recording industry association america um in 2005 the guinness world book of records included the greatest hits album for being the longest album on any record to chart by a female artist so wow that's cool um, that cool. And then 1973, she became the first f- solo female artist elected to the Country Music Hall of Fame. Wow. In 1977, excuse me. So her, she had a very good friend named Loretta Lynn, who was a country music, um, you know, singer and performer she released a tribute album to her late friend titled i remember patsy the record contained covers of klein's songs including back in baby's arms and crazy and the album's lead single was she got she was she got you which would receive the number one spot on the billboard country chart um in 1995 patsy ended up receiving a grammy lifetime achievement award for her legacy and her career and then additionally her hits which were i fall to pieces and crazy received inductions into the grammy hall of fame hmm so I think it's like it's just so sad that it like after her death after like her just like working so hard for like 15 years she's like had a two-year you know long career but I I at least really appreciate that there were obviously people who wanted to maintain her legacy because they realized how important she was you know
0: Mm Hmm. no definitely that's so crazy though like Mm-hmm. So many accomplishments and, like, downfalls and disappointments, but then also, like, what a sad ending to it all, too. That, like, yeah. In 1991,
1: NCA Records issued her first box set entitled The Patsy Klein Collection, um, which apparently it chronicled all of her recorded materials for everything. And the box, the box set received, like, very positive reviews. And this is a excerpt from a review about it. It said, if an artist ever deserved a box set, chronicling her entire career it is patsy klein having recording 102 sides between 1955 and her death at the age of 30 in 1963 klein changed not only country music forever but affected the world of pop as well over four cds arranged chronologically the listener gets treated to a story and the development and maturation of a cultural icon who is at least in terms of her gift the equal of her legend which i thought was amazing and then rolling stone also reviewed it and "Quote," um, Rob Sheffield said. "A badass cowgirl drama queen belts some of the torchiest, weepiest country songs ever, hitting high notes that make you sob into your margarita. Oh, which I just really love that. Yeah, so much. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Something cool though. In 1993, she was included on the United States postal stamps as part of the Legends series. Cool. Um, in 1999, she received a Hollywood Walk of Fame star." And since the 90s, she's, like, continued to receive, like, really big deal rankings and honors. 1991, um, the like, the VH1 list was put her as number 11 for the 100 Greatest Women of Rock and Roll. In 2003, she was included by Country Music Television on their list of 40 Greatest Women of Country Music. She ranked as number 6 on Rolling Stone's list of the 100 Greatest Singers of All Time. Um, mm-hmm. The magazine would then later rank... on the 100 greatest country artists of all time she was placed at number 12 and then in 2017 the patsy klein museum opened in nashville tennessee um which is in the same building as the johnny cash museum so i feel like wow i at least can appreciate that i feel like the country music world and the music world in general has really like wanted to set in stone just how impactful her career was and like who she was as a person
0: Mm
1: -hmm. like you know like i at least I appreciate that even though it's so tragic that her life was cut so short that it seems like people have done their part to um, pass on her legacy. Like there's been plays written about her. There's been movies, like documentaries. People are utterly just fascinated by this woman and just who she was. Just to dive in a little bit more into her legacy. um, She's been like, she's like seen as the pioneer for women in country music. And she was like, she's definitely the, inspiration for many performers um mm-hmm. qu- there's a po- apparently she had a quote she had an aggression aggression and boisterous attitude that gained her the respect of her male counterparts this is a quote it said she swaggered her way past stereotypes and other forces of resistance showing the men in charge and the public in general that women were more than capable of singing about such hard subjects as divorce and drinking as well as love and understanding which I thought was really interesting and like kind of spoke to who, her complexities of who she was another th- quote from her it says Klein helped prove that country music was not macho and that strong women could have a strong voice and then in 2013 the Washington Post wrote about her she's what I call a pre-feminist woman she didn't open doors she kicked them down I love that I know I do too and then That's I guess so cool I know someone else said that she transformed what it meant to be
0: a female country star
1: but yeah, I love that's that. Awesome. Like, she didn't open them. Like, she kicked them down.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Wow, what an impactful person.
1: I know. Um, and then she's gone on to influence, like, so many country music women, country singers Reba McIntyre, Loretta Lynn, Leanne Rhymes, Linda Ronstadt, mm. Sarah Evans, Dottie West, Casey Musgraves, Margo Price, Cindy Lauper, Brandy Carlisle. Like, so just so so many yeah holy cow so yeah I love Patsy Cline if you if you don't know her and if you're not familiar with her music like really just go listen to that greatest hits album or just any of her music especially the song crazy like I think just the way I think I read a couple quotes of just like people talking about the way that she can capture emotion but yeah like it's just it's just so good and I just love it so much I just she is definitely a true inspiration to me, as far as like, cause you know how many times in this story it's like, and then that didn't work out, and then that didn't work out, and those four singles yeah. were a flop, and the three follow-up singles were a flop, but she just kept trying and she kept going back, and she did it, and now she has this yeah. amazing legacy, even though she's like literally
0: gone too soon. so much perse- pierced perseverance Mm -hmm. (laughs) like just over and over and over again it's incredible like she knew that this is where she belonged and that her legacy would be there and she wasn't willing to give up until she got there so that's really really cool
1: yep so there's Patsy Cline for you one of my heroes and yeah hope you if you didn't know about her I'm glad I was able to introduce you to her
0: yeah and i'm excited to go listen
1: it's so good i'd
0: some country music this weekend i
1: like 60s country music is just oh it's just so good it's my favorite <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited i love it well that is that's all but thank you everyone for tuning in and listening if you've been enjoying the podcast subscribe give us a review
0: follow us on yes. instagram we'd love it please give us a review that would be wonderful. Happy to have you here and tune in next week for another episode. Yep. We'll see you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.